reading from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. If you wish to follow along in the Pew Bible, I'll be page 1039. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, it encourages us that you're here, and, and we hope that we can be an encouragement to you. Thank you for being with us. We are thankful for all of our graduates today. We will especially honor our high school graduates. We're thankful for the life that they lived. We're proud of them. We're thankful for them, and we hope that they will continue their life of learning, especially to continue putting their eyes upon the heavenly sight and learning of God. We're also thankful for our Mount Juliet Church of Christ preschool graduates. This past week they graduated, also closing programs took place, and it's just amazing how that school has grown, and for each that help in that, and also for each of our young people that are a part of that, we love you and we're thankful for you too. Many of you have been asking about uh, my time away this past week. I appreciate uh, your interest in that and your love. Uh, it was a tremendous time. Montana is absolutely beautiful. Uh, the, the, uh, the people, uh, Bob Northern and, and Joe and Leanne Delaney were just such hospitable people. And, uh, and then also the opportunity to just work on a ranch for a week was truly a, a dream come true. Connected for life. When we live our life based upon God's plan, it would be very different those that live their life not based upon God's plan. And perhaps one of the most striking differences in relationships in those that truly understand God's plan and those that don't very well might be seen in the way individuals view religion, and especially the way those individuals view the church. There's many individuals that view the church as just a convenient option. And if it's ever not convenient, it's an option to not have a part in it at all. That's kind of our culture today in America. Today, I'd like for us to challenge that. Today, I'd like for us more than anything to go into the Holy Word of God and ask God, what is your plan for us and our relationship in and to the church and even you through the church. It may seem strange to begin with the bridge, but do you remember when bridges looked like this? When I was in high school, there was a bridge that was just down the road from where one of our coaches lived. And when we would go to his house for fellowship of Christian athlete meetings, after Oftentimes, after those devotionals and meetings, we go and hang out on a bridge that looked a lot like that, except that bridge had been closed for about 15 years. The bridge had been built in the early 1900s, but in 1970, another bridge had been built down the river, closing this bridge. This bridge was plenty sturdy enough for us to hang out on, and it's just something interesting about bridges. 
they are very unique structures if you stop and think about it. There's not many structures that there's water going underneath them. There's not many structures that are that high off the ground with hardly anything above or below. There's not that many structures that are that narrow and that long. There's just something about a bridge. Not many structures are designed to hold that volume of weight. But you know, all the things I've just described, even though they sometimes draw us to bridges, that's not the purpose of a bridge. The purpose of a bridge is to connect bodies of land that are usually separated by streams or rivers or gorges or ravines. But when you think about it, the purpose of the bridge is to connect. In Honduras, on this next slide, we see a picture of a bridge that it may look a little bit unusual to you, but it may not be that highly unusual. This is in the southern part of Honduras, just between Nicaragua and El Salvador. This bridge was built by the Army Corps of Engineers in 1930, and they specifically designed it to be very sturdy, to uphold under severe circumstances. And in 1998, when Hurricane Mitch came through, it had the opportunity to be proven as to how it was built. As a matter of fact, 150 bridges in Honduras were destroyed during Mitch, but not this bridge. Now, when 36 inches of rain fell in just a few hours, it created such destruction that it literally changed the channel of the river. And as we go to the next slide and pull back, it also destroyed the roads on both sides. Now, if you wanted to take a little helicopter ride, you know what you could do? You could go and hang out on that bridge. And I would think it'd be kind of cool. It'd be neat to hang out there. It'd be neat to, to be up that high and, and be able to see everything. It too is a long, narrow structure. It too is up off the ground. That bridge right now could hold a large volume of weight. But wouldn't we all agree that that bridge in the present state is not doing what it was designed to do? It no longer is connecting two bodies of land. I believe that that's the problem with many, and my fear is most, as they view the church. My fear is that most view the church as just a really cool place to hang out. My fear is that a lot of people believe that the church is just this really unique structure that can, it can help you build good families. It can help you live a life of integrity. It can help you, and we go on and on. But this morning, I want you to pause and think with me. What does the church do if we're allowing the church to function as it should? The church connects us to Christ. It is a source of connection to Christ. Now there will be other connections that will be beautiful and powerful and that is connection to each other but please realize that the primary connection of the Lord's church is to Christ. I thought it perhaps coincidental that as I was writing this lesson this week and then I come in Friday trying to pull it all together after studying on it earlier in the week, 
the lead article in the Huffington Post under the religious section this Friday was about the Hartford Institute of Religion Research written by Steve McSwain. And it said, more than 40% of Americans say they go to church weekly. However, less than 20% of them actually go. More than 80% of Americans are finding more fulfilling things to do on the weekends. This article is written in the vein of thought that the Protestant church in America is dying. And he talks about how this year there will be 3 million people who went to church regularly last year that will not go to church regularly this year. And he says next year there will be another 3 million. And of course from there becomes a lot of discussion of why are some individuals finding things they believe to be more worthy to be a part of on Sundays than going to church. As we think about this, I couldn't help but also think about today, our high school seniors. There is a gap between the 18 and 22 years of age where many of that age that at one time faithfully attended church cease to faithfully attend church. And so I read another article, and it's a long title. This article is Lifeway Research Finds Reasons 18 to 22-Year-Olds Drop Out of Church by Scott McConnelly. And what he finds on this next slide is that 70% will stop attending regularly for at least one year between the ages of 18 and 22. Now that's 70% of those that did attend regularly. So those that did attend regularly, 70% will stop somewhere in the age between 18 and 22. Now of those dropouts, 20% of them said that they planned on dropping out in high school. Now of those 20%, most of them say they would never tell their parents they planned on it. They wouldn't even tell their friends they planned on it, but they planned on it in high school. About one out of five, 27% would say, I simply wanted a break from church. About one out of, that was one out of four. About one out of five would also state, 22% would say, they became too busy, though they still want to attend. Let's pause here for just a moment and soak this in. Seven out of 10 will stop attending. Why? Well, I planned on it. I mean, it was a good thing in high school, but I knew I didn't want that in college or when I first went to work or when I went into the military. You know, it was something that I wanted to do, but I just got busy. I just, I just couldn't fit it into my schedule. Or, you know, I've been doing this for a while. I needed a break. What do you have to believe about the church to have that kind of mindset? Before we talk about that a little more, I want to show you of the 30% that stayed. Listen to the number one reason why those 30% stayed. 65% of those who stayed said, church was a vital part of my relationship with God. 
You see, that's what it's ultimately going to come back to in the teachings of God's holy word. Not what I think is wise or what you think is wise, but that's what God is going to reveal for us. And 58% also said they wanted the church to help guide them through the decisions in everyday life. 42% said they stayed because they were committed to the purpose and the work of the church. And you have to love those three words of committed, purpose, and work. And that's why they stayed. Many times I've showed you this triangle of life, and you'll notice on this triangle, the upper tier of the triangle is our actions, and that's what's visible, and oftentimes that's what we concentrate on. And so someone says, I can see if someone is going to church or not, so if someone's not going, all I need to do is encourage them to go. No, that's a pretty weak reason. I'm at church, why? Oh, somebody just encouraged me to go, so I'm here. That's it? You don't have a deeper understanding of what church is than just, oh, it's a place where good people go and I wanted to gather with them. You see, our actions are never an island to themselves. They're always tied to our values and our beliefs. And values and beliefs are not an island to themselves. They are always tied to what we believe. So we have values and convictions tied to beliefs. So notice that. What you believe, now let's look at this next slide. What you believe about the church will determine what your convictions and your value system is, and that will dictate whether or not you're connected for life. This morning, I'm not asking you, was it a difficult decision for you to come to worship this morning? I'm not asking you, have you been here the last... 25 weeks in a row. This morning, I'm asking you to look a lot deeper into your heart and into your soul. What do you believe about church? Because whatever ultimately your decision is or your belief is about church will affect whether or not you are connected for life to the Lord and to His people. With that in mind, I invite you into a study of Ephesians, the second chapter. Unlike we oftentimes do where we study a few verses in depth, the goal this morning is to study a little bit out of the 22 verses of Ephesians, the second chapter, because that gives us a picture of how the Lord wants us to see his church. Quick intro into this. Paul was a missionary sent to the Gentiles. The Gentiles had a hard time believing that there was a place with them in the Lord's kingdom right along beside the Jews. The Jews had a hard time believing that there was a place for the Gentiles in the Lord's kingdom right beside them as the Jews. And so he had this task of revealing to them what the mystery of the gospel was. And the mystery of the gospel is that Jesus Christ died to save all, and get this, and to bring all into the one church. Colossians, Ephesians, parts of Romans, the reason they're written is for the Gentiles to understand that as well as the Jews to understand that. The word together is going to be used several times in verses 4, 5, 6, 7, etc. 
even though the word together is not used in one, two, and three, he describes where we all were together in a very, very poor situation. Look in Ephesians 2, one through three. It was a time when we were dead in the trespasses of sin. Verse two, in which you walked according to the course of this world. Skip down to verse three. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh. Do you see what the first three verses are about? There was a time when we were together and we were dead in sin. We were living by the fleshly nature instead of a spiritual nature. That wasn't a good unity that we had going on there. But then when we go into verse four, we read the sharp contrast begins with the word but and the power is the very next word, God. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, what? Made us alive, how? Together with Christ. So those that wanted to be delivered from the world through Christ, we could be not dead, but spiritually alive, but not on our own, alive with Christ. He could have said that, but you see he's placing the emphasis that the Jews and the Gentiles belong together. So we are alive together with Christ. Now, it's not going to end there. Look at, well, before we look at the next verse, look at this slide. Let me make this point. If all that are made alive together with Christ are moved to be with Christ, they are with each other also. Does that make sense? Why is the church important? Because the only way we became a part of the church is first we became a part of Christ. And once we were drawn to Christ, then we naturally are drawn to each other. Let's put it this way. Let's say I am dead out in the trespasses of sin out in the world and I decide I want to become a Christian and Christ has made me alive with him. And you were in the depths of the world and you decided you wanted to be saved and you wanted to become a Christian and Christ makes you alive together with him. If you have been drawn to Christ and I have been drawn to Christ, now we are together. It doesn't matter if we're Jew or Gentile, male or female, bond or free. It doesn't matter what continent we live on. It doesn't matter what our past religious background has been. It doesn't matter our economic status. We are now all together with him. And Paul's going to take that point and he is going to pound it home. Look at the very next verse. Verse six, he continues this togetherness and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Let's pause there for a moment. What does it mean raised us up together? Colossians 2 and verse 12, we know that that is language talking about coming out of the waters of baptism. To leave the world, we have to be forgiven of our sins and the Lord teaches that whenever we are buried with Christ in the waters of baptism, we can be raised with Christ to be made alive. We are raised with him. Our sins are washed away. Now we are alive because we've been raised with him. Well, where do we exist? Did you know that Christ saves you and then he says, go out and scatter, just be your own person, live as islands to yourself? You know, that's a common belief in America today. It's a common belief in America today. Oh, I, I love Jesus, but I don't want anything to do with the church. Oh, you think that Jesus saves you to scatter you. 
Because that's what you're saying. The Lord saves us and then says, hey, everybody go out and do your own thing. The whole emphasis that Paul writes in Ephesians 2 is that the only way we can be saved is that we come together with Christ and anyone that's saved stays together with Christ. All of Christ's children or all of God's children through Christ are together with Him. We've been made alive together with Him. We have been raised together with Him. We have been made to sit in heavenly places. We don't have time to develop this, but if you don't know this, I urge you to study this. It's a powerful study. The heavenly places in Ephesians is not talking about eternal life. Eternal life is a beautiful thing. But when he's talking about the heavenly places here, he's talking about that this place of spiritual sanctification. We no longer live in the depth of the world, in the midst of the world. Now as Christians, we live in this heavenly place, not heaven, we live in a place where on this earth, we have a peace that passes understanding. We are redeemed. We have brothers and sisters in Christ that love us and love Christ dearly. We have a relationship with the Father. We've been adopted. We have a relationship with our elder brother. He saved us. All of this is just a portion of this heavenly place that we live. Not out in the world anymore. We've been made alive. We've been raised. We sit in heavenly places waiting on the Lord's return right now that we can be taken to heaven. So with this in mind, let's go to this next slide and notice this. We were dead together, but now we're alive together. We're raised together to sit together. Why? Look at verse 7. That in the age to come, he, talking about God, might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. The next slide has the very same verse, but notice this is from the Amplified Bible. I was reading this this week, and notice how the Amplified Bible says this. It's the very same verse. He did this. Now, no, he did what? All the emphasis has been about us being made alive together, raised together, to sit in heavenly places together. Why did he do this? Here it is. He did this that he might clearly demonstrate through the ages to come the immeasurable, that's limitless, surpassing riches of his free grace, his unmerited favor, and his kindness and goodness of heart toward us in Christ Jesus. What is the church? The church is a place where God says, I want you to look across the church. You're seeing my grace in action. You're seeing people that have been forgiven you're seeing people that are in fellowship with me. When you see the church, you're seeing my grace change people's life. Church is not a social club. That if it's convenient, you show up and have a good time hanging out. Church is not just a carefree comfort zone. If you just so happen to have a warm, fuzzy feeling, come on back next Sunday. Church is who we are. Church is not just what we attend. Church is who we are. We are the ones that have devoted our life to Christ and we've been brought together first with Christ and then naturally with all those that are a part of Christ. And so in, in Ephesians 2, 11, 12, and 13, and, and we've got to make this point very quickly, but I want you to notice each of those verses speaks about 
the past. And in verse 13, he says, once were afar off. When we go down to verse 11, he says, remember that you were once Gentiles in the flesh. And then in 12, he says, that at that time you were without Christ. Now, notice he's going back and he's describing life over here. And I'd like you to notice how he describes life over here for the Gentiles in verse 12. He says, you are without Christ. You are aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. You are strangers from coming to the promise. Now here's the terrible, terrible thing. No hope and without God. There's a lot to overcome to now say, I'm a part of Christ. But we've been brought near in Ephesians 2 and 13. And now I'd like for you to notice in Ephesians 2 and 14, the barriers have been destroyed. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one, Jew, Gentile, and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Sin separated us from God. Under the old covenant, the old covenant separated Jew and Gentile. Jesus Christ died on the cross so sin would no longer separate us from God and there would not be a barrier between the Jew and the Gentile. Notice this next slide as we make this concluding point on this point. The only way to draw near is for the barriers that separates us to be destroyed. Christ came to this earth and through his death, he destroyed those barriers. So get it this way. Jesus brought us together by first bringing us to him. You see the emphasis in Ephesians 2? The church is all about being the bridge, a connection to Jesus. When we come to Jesus, that's who the church is. The church is made up of those that have been brought to Jesus. So we see in Ephesians 2, 16 and 17, that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross. There's a play on words here that is beautiful and powerful. Jew and Gentile are going to be brought into one body through the cross. Christ, one body, paid the price so that Jews and Gentiles could be brought together. But you remember, the body of Christ is the church, Colossians 1 and 18. And so we have been brought together into the one body or into one church. So what is the church? Look with me, if you will, in Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, and notice these four things that he says the church is. Verse 19, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints. Number one, the church is made up of the citizens of the kingdom of God. That's who the church is. Number two, the rest of verse 19, members of the household of God. The church is made up of those that are part of the family of God. Number three, verse 20, having been built on the foundation of the apostles, the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Number three, the church is made up of those who individually have built their life on the doctrine of Jesus Christ, the apostles and the prophets. Number four, verse 21, in whom the whole building... That's talking about the church being joined together. That's all of us coming together in the church grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also were being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Fourthly, the church is the place for the spirit of God to dwell. What is the church? It isn't a hangout. It isn't an option to consider if they're is time. It isn't an earthly organization asking for your time, money, and commitment. 
The Lord's church is the place where we are added if we are connected with God. The Lord's church is where you become when you have been made alive together as a citizen or as a saint of God. The Lord's church is the Lord's family. You either honor your father or you turn your back like the prodigal son. The Lord's church is for those that will live their life by the doctrine or the teachings of the apostles and prophets with Christ being the chief cornerstone. The Lord's church is for those who are reconciled to God so God will dwell with them as his temple. What I learned today. Number one, people that stay in the church for life are just as busy as those who leave. Number two, people that stay in church for life move to places where they don't know anyone in the congregation, yet they worship with the church the first Sunday that they are there because of their relationship with Christ. I want to pause here for just a moment. Please get this. It is vital if we're going to help individuals grow spiritually that we form connections and relationships with them. That's a part of the fellowship of the Lord's church. That's a great blessing. But that is secondary to the reason that we are committed to the church. We are committed to the church because of our relationship with Christ. Right now, many inside this room have several strong relationships with individuals. But what happens when you move 500 miles from here and you move in on a Friday and you unpack on Saturday and you don't know anybody in that town on Sunday? Some in this room might say, well, I, I'm not going to go to a church. Why? Do you not still know Christ? Because that's your whole existence in church is your relationship with Christ. Everything else comes after that. The whole existence is, I have been redeemed by Christ. I am the saved. I am the church. So what do I do? Just one of the things that I do as the church is I assemble and I worship and I encourage others. And it is important that we know each other and that we encourage each other. But I beg you to realize that you have a messed up view of the church. If your idea is, well, if I know the people there, I go. Do you not know Jesus? Because that's where it all starts and ends in the church. Number three, what I learned today, people that stay in the church for life can't see the church without seeing the body of Christ, the household of God, or a holy temple. Remember the pyramid we talked about? If that's what you believe about the church, you can't be driven away from the church. You'll die before you leave the church if that's what you believe about the church. But if church is just a nice hangout place for you, if it just helps your kids live a better life, if just some of your good friends are there, next time you move, the next time things become busy, and the next time things are inconvenient, we won't see you again. Because the truth is, you were never converted to the Lord and His church. You were converted to a lot of good people. People can't save you, and people will let you down. Number four, some leave the church, while on the other extreme, some die for the sake of the church. The difference isn't about commitment to attendance as much as it is about what they believe about the Lord's church. 
If we were to ask God, what do you expect of us? Beyond any shadow of a doubt, what God would say is he would say, I expect you to commit to me for life. Period. No questions asked. No matter what it costs, commit to me for life. And you can't have Christ without his body, the church. This morning, I hope you love the church. I hope you love the body of Christ. I hope you love Christ. And I know that we live in a culture that just sells church, literally markets church to be something so cheap, something that's just based on, hey, did we get your attention this week? Something of, hey, look how convenient it is. We've got something for everybody. I hope you can see past all that. And I hope you can see Christ. If you're ready to be immersed into Christ so that you can be made alive together with Him, raised together with Him, to live together with Him, to sit in the heavenly places together with Him, if you've never done that and this morning you're ready to do that, we'd love to assist you with that. Maybe you've begun that journey and somewhere along the way you, you've misunderstood some things. Maybe you've totally missed what the big picture is. Wouldn't today be a wonderful time to thank God that he's given us such beautiful scripture and to yield and submit our life and seek his forgiveness? If we can help you in any way, come.